Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Matt Rice. And I'm Chris Bartlett, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 17 years and have just about seen it all. And as damaged as we are, we are ready to dive in and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Special thanks to Alob for our new Stinger music. You can check out his album, No Match for Love. Find it on Spotify. Just search Alob, A-L-O-B. Great. And today we've got a great show for you guys. We've got a special guest, Laura Gonzalez, who is a super volunteer. Um, she actually works with me in the ministry that we do here in Round Rock, and I would actually call her a super duper volunteer. <laughs> Laura, how are you? Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, I'm ashamed to admit that I just woke up 30 minutes ago because I celebrated my birthday a little bit too hard last night. Nice. So, Happy birthday. I know. Thank it. you. So, uh, yeah, I've had about two ciders too many. So. <laughs> That's just the honesty. Nice. Um, Laura, a couple of questions just to create a baseline. How long have you been volunteering? Um, you volunteer for the youth ministry at the parish that we work at or the parish yeah. that we serve at. Um, how long have you been volunteering in youth ministry specifically? Um, I, let's see, I moved to Austin in 2009, so eight years, yeah. Eight years. Yeah, because yeah, I started in 2010. Before I got there. One year before you got there. Exactly. Good. And then before that, what what was volunteering look like in your life? Did you volunteer for a number of things beforehand or? Uh, before that, I wasn't even Catholic. Um, wow. I went through RCIA in 2009, moved to Austin, and then planted my roots at my parish and was invited to consider youth ministry by a mutual friend of ours, also named Chris. And it was... Um, an instant yes on my part, even though I was like really terrified and I didn't know anything about the church yet, uh, other than what I had learned in like a very abbreviated college RCIA experience, was because it was in my heart because when I was in high school, I would see the kids walking the halls in their Jesus shirts and I was too shy to ask and they weren't really equipped to share. So it was just like this big question mark that I always had in the back of my mind until I became Catholic. So when the invitation to join youth ministry came, I said yes right away because I didn't want any students to have that kind of like longing that I had. I wanted, well, one, I wanted the students in the program to know how fortunate they were that their parents like enabled them to be able to learn mm -hmm. about, you know, the creative of the universe. No big deal. <laughs> That's um, all. <laughs> but also, it, it's very much in my heart to empower them to reach the kids in the hallway who were like me, who were hungry, and, and nobody was there to feed them. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing a couple of things. One is a personal invitation to serve. Um, yes. th that was an important piece of it. And the second is it connected with a deeper story. And that story was the Holy Spirit working in your life personally. Yeah. Yeah. He planted that seed a long time ago. Yeah. And I just had the courage to say yes, which was also Holy Spirit. So eight years, you could have a PhD in, volu <laughs> in volunteering, you know, eight years. What has kept you as a volunteer for so long? Is it Chris's beautiful face? I have to mention oh his beautiful gosh. face on almost every episode. I mean, it makes it nice and awkward. The beard. <laughs> no, I saw a picture recently of one of our former students, now volunteer, from her senior dinner, and he didn't have the beard. Oh. And it was 
it was weird. Who is that guy? Baby face Bartlett coming in. <laughs> it's like it's like not even in my memory anymore. Like anyway. So what has so, kept you as a volunteer? Oh, sorry. So what's kept you as a volunteer? Um, hmm. I think a lot of it has been that um, Bartlett's really responsive to when I know I need to say no to things. I feel like inexperienced managers, like in the workplace, like you try to say no to somebody and then they're groveling. They're like, oh, no, 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 we really need you. And then they put even more stress on you. And Bartlett's always encouraged me to say no when I need to say no, like, yep. or to, to bookend opportunities with my freedom to say yep. no. Um, and so that I always have the, the space just to know, like, if ministry is going to fit into my life at this right moment, or that is it even the will of the Holy Spirit for me to take on some new grand idea that he's been working on for a while? Yeah. So, yeah, that that's a big, big thing. And then the other thing is like a, a lot of it is just this is the the vehicle in which I live out my charisms mm. and like this is it. There's like no other place. So I can't I don't think I could ever stop. Yeah. But, you know, it's all it's got. Awesome. Awesome. It's interesting that uh, you mentioned the charism piece, because I think that that is a huge aspect in regards to um, fostering super volunteers is to is to speak to their strength and to foster their strengths. And uh, you have a a gift that I don't have quite as strongly, and that's the gift of administration. Everybody keeps telling me that. So I guess it's true. Yeah, it is definitely (laughs) is definitely true. But uh, she is one of those volunteers that when Sacramento Records came up. She she was excited about it, and I was dreading it. And uh... I mean, a part of it's also because I'm a huge nerd because <laughs> my handwriting is in that confirmation register from now until Kingdom Come. Yeah. like I think that's cool. That yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. But I'm also just a nerd, and it might just be the ministry. <laughs> well, I love I love having you on 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 our team. Um, what are some of the best things that ministry leaders have done for you? to encourage you as a volunteer. And I know you volunteer in a number of areas. So um, speak to that. Can I pause here real quick? Chris, is this a chance for you to get, uh, you know, to feel better about yourself? You bring on one of your own volunteers and (laughs) what have ministry leaders done for you? Oh, wait, what have I done for you? No, this is not, this is not an ego. (laughs) Golly. Yeah. I'm I'm just, I'm just messing with you a little bit. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Thanks. I love you too, Matt. Well, okay. So I, I won't, um, preach Bartlett's like gospel choir right now, but well, the the one who taught me about charisms was another one of our one of our volunteers, and I remember because you know I'm still kind of a baby in faith. Uh, when I learned about these like supernatural gifts from the Holy Spirit, I was intrigued. I was like, "What? Like we have superpowers? No way!" And um, so we teach that to our upper level um, kids. The I don't know, um, the discipleship and leadership group. Uh, we teach that every year in our curriculum. And so every year I've been able to like really dig deep into that content because when I first encountered it, it opened my eyes to the fact that I had no excuse to be shy, to be meek, to be like, to have this false modesty of, Oh no, you know, it, you know, it's no big deal. Um, and to really, take on these charisms and acknowledge them and be like, yes, I have this charism and, you know, the administration thing. And, and it gives me confidence to walk into new opportunities and new ministries and offer 
my, my skills to them. And um, especially if I see a need, because I don't know if you know this, but my, my biggest charism isn't necessarily administration, it's helps. Mm. Because I see the holes and I always want to fill them. Yeah. And it's just the administration is a very common hole. So I can walk into a new ministry and like evaluate like where things are lacking. Um, maybe it's hospitality or maybe it's uh, the logistics that go into like thinking things through like, Hey, people have been standing for half an hour. Maybe we should pull out some chairs. Yeah. That kind of thing. And, uh, I want to get, so I was able to, sorry, I'm interrupting it, but I, I want to get, no. uh, touch a little bit more on like what, what has Chris done, you know, to, so, to help keep you because I, 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 all joking aside, I respect yeah. Chris deeply as a minister. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of things that he does right. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, I would love to hear, you know, your response to that to that actual question to see what it is that he's done. Well, I guess because I've been there so long, what's really easy about being loyal is when somebody is really honest with you. Yeah. We have a lot of honest conversations, like after everything is done and I'm like ready to go home. And then we're like, wait, let's talk and evaluate like what, what, what worked tonight? What didn't work tonight? And so because of that honesty, I feel like I'm part of the process. Yeah. So being and, open and honest with you and yeah. available to hear any kind yeah. of criticisms or whatever that you have. And so yeah. I'm able to take ownership of the program. Like I'm not, I'm not just somebody who comes in because, you know, EIM regulations say we need to have a certain amount of adults in the room. I'm able, somebody who's able to um, influence the program and, you know, help, help it be the best that it can be. Great. What else? <laughs> what else? Um, I don't know. Let me think. So, uh, just to let you know, in regards to our ministry team, there are certain volunteers that we pour into a little bit more than other volunteers. Um, and over time, you kind of see the ones that are going to step up and step out and and take on that more responsibility. You know, if uh, the the podcast where we talked about levels of delegation and and things like that is a great example of that. Some some people are just going to um, show up and uh, and and lead a small group and do that very effectively, but they they don't want to dive into the content of the night or you know all the way down to the details of what's going to be projected or what type of music's going to be played as the teams walk in, things like that. We even have a, a core team member who's so concerned that they want high quality iced tea when people walk in. Like that's how detailed and specific some <laughs> wow. of our volunteers want to get, and others just want to. Uh, to, to, to go volunteer serve for a couple of hours and then head home and they don't want any of the additional responsibilities. So yeah. Laura, as a super volunteer, has really risen up in a number of ways to take on those those more responsibilities. And so we do have more of a connection in regards to that, more communication in regards to that. And that's necessary because she has more responsibility in the ministry. How did you go from just a kind of a regular volunteer to taking on that more responsibility? Do you remember that process at all? Or A little bit, yeah. I, I very vividly remember my first, um, the time I spoke in front of our program. You know, because like everybody says public speaking is their biggest fear. But the Holy Spirit just like compelled me to like teach, like to share faith. And I, I can't remember what the topic was now um, because it was it was something pretty personal because I figured that would be the easy place to jump in, right, was with a testimony. Sure. And so I remember being terrified, but I also remember that, that our ministry is such a safe place um, that I really had the freedom to fail 
I mean, it was the first year of the program, so it wasn't like the there was like super high expectations. I wasn't expected to be Mark Hart or something. Right. Uh, I just I just needed to be myself and be honest. And so I I mean I still vividly remember how terrified I was, like you know with the shaking knees and the quavering voice, and and then I remember when it was over, and I don't remember anything in between. <laughs> like it was like such an adrenaline thing. And yeah, and I just, I just remember it being a really safe place to fail. Like it didn't matter how it went. I tried my best and, you know, the Holy Spirit was just going to take care, provide or, you know, fill in where needed. And so it didn't, it didn't run me off. Like I I can imagine some people like facing something that's really scary and then they don't want to do that ever again. But that, that is not the environment of our program. Yeah. So for the listeners, I, I think it's, it's interesting, Laura, what you, what you kind of shared is you said yes to the ministry mm-hmm. before, and you started volunteering. You said yes and started before you were all the way bought into the ministry. Absolutely. And I think that that's a very, very uh, um, important thing to remember as ministry leaders when we're bringing people on board. We might get their commitment before we get their buy-in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we are always... Uh, in a role of supporting and even selling or branding our ministry in a way that like, this is a, a win for you. Just the fact that you're here volunteering, you're building the kingdom of God, you're doing something amazing. And my job is to help you to be successful in that. Um, well, and you've been in, go ahead. As ministry leaders, we need to pay attention to what you, what you just said is that just because they walk through the door and they say yes, initially doesn't mean your job is done pouring into them or investing in them as volunteers. Because like you said, you still need to get to the point where they have buy-in and you need to get to the point where they, they yeah, that they're ready to take that next step and, and really th- this is their ministry. Like you said, I mean, Laura, you said it, this is my ministry. Like mm-hmm. I am here. Um, this is where God's using me. And so as ministry leaders, we just need to pay attention to that next step. And a huge part of that is that you can't just assume that youth ministry is something that anybody can do naturally. Like there was a lot I had to learn. As far as like, how do I speak to teenagers these days? Like they all have their noses in their phones. And so like learning to break down barriers and learning to be courageous and making a fool out of myself sometimes, like what seems like in a grown up world would be like really embarrassing, yeah. but isn't because yeah. Chris is always making like fart jokes <laughs> and, and toilet jokes and poop jokes and all that kind of thing. Like that would be really embarrassing in like grown at up a cocktail context. party. Yeah. That's yes, not, you're not yeah. going to do that there. Yeah, you're not going to do that for well, the bishop. Chris will. I, I will. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I will. And um, so, yeah, it, like there is a lot to learn. You, you can't just like just tell people like, oh, it's easy. You just show up. Like to, to, to really be an effective minister, you need to learn that skill. Yeah. Well, the next question I want to lead with, this is a safe place. I say it because it might be you serving me up a good slice of humble pie, but I know you've also volunteered in a number of other areas and you currently are still volunteering in a variety of areas. But what is something you wish ministry leaders would do more for you or for other volunteers? Um, Or do whatsoever. You're like, not more. They don't do this at all. And I wish they would do this. Yeah, I I would like... I think, um, and because it's a, it's a weekly thing, right? It's day in, day out. And we take community for granted. Um, we don't have other than like twice, like the, the Christmas party and the end of year party, are really a time to just be family with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that always, that's always on my heart because I, I, every Sunday there's like a certain chunk of time that I know I'm going to lose because I need to do all my catching up with all the people, you know, like everybody wants to know how was your birthday? What did you do this weekend? Like all this other stuff. And that takes away from my freedom to be with the teens, uh, which it, it's, it's kind of a, like a backhanded problem because on the one hand, it's wonderful that we have a team who is a part of each other's lives and we do want to be friends and we see, we, we do hang out outside of this, you know, what, three hours, a, three hours a week, um, Sunday night type thing. Right. And, it, and it's such a gift to, I guess, receive love from the people in my parish, especially for me, like as, as a lay woman, a single person, like, I'll, I'll take as much affection I can get, you know, where I can get it because, you know, I frequently come home to an empty house. And so I do have to get it in the church. So that's something where we're lacking in is like that space to do, to, to be with each other in a way that doesn't take away from the teens. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good point. One of the things in our ministry, just to give the listener some insight is uh, we have, we've grown in, uh, in regards to it. We have like 55 to 60 people that are showing up on a weekly basis as adult volunteers in a variety of different roles. You know, we have a team of meal team people and things like that, but there is a reality that I think ministry leaders need to keep in mind that, uh, unless you're just partnering with someone and it's just you and one other person leading a ministry, that they are joining a ministry team. And so someone like Laura, who's been on the team for eight years, and then someone like a new volunteer who might join this fall are going to have a very different experience because Laura knows 80% of the room and is friends with 80% of the room. Mm -hmm. And this new person is like the new kid at school and they need, they need a a, a table to sit at during lunch. They cannot sit alone. And so it's not just about uh, speaking just to their charisms, but we must also make sure that they are, there's an on-ramp onto uh, being a part of a team, a ministry team. You're right. Yeah. And that takes intentionality. And that's that's a growth area for me, I know for sure. Of course, I'm chummy and jovial um, in appropriate ways and also in... Inappropriate ways. Inappropriate <laughs> ways. Um, um, it's just part of your charm. Yeah, that's, it's it, part it of is. my charm. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, One of the um, things that, and this goes for any ministry leader, is sometimes I think we get to a point where we, we assume that people are too busy... And so we don't want to just put one more thing on their plate to do. But like you're saying, Laura, is that, you know, our teamwork, our community is not just one more thing to do. In, in one way, it's, it's why we do what we do. Because we, we're doing this together and we're doing ministry together. And so we do, as ministry leaders, need to pay attention to that social time, you know, outside of ministry time with, with the team. One of the things that I've believed for a long time, you know, is that shared experiences, like doing things together, is what brings people together. You don't have to do any special team bonding or team building stuff. Mm-hmm. Just having an event to where, like, months later, y'all can talk about that event. That brings oh, yeah. people together, and that's it. I think you know? I think one of the reasons I'm best friends with Chris's sister, Gwen, is because we rode on the bus next together to Springfield, Missouri, for Steubenville. Like, yeah, yeah. You get to be friends with somebody in that situation. Yeah, And yeah. it's just spending time with them, mm-hmm. you know, so... Building that team cohesion could just be simple as, you know, team volleyball or going to someone's house just to hang out and that's it. So, Laura, for you, um, would you be a super volunteer now if ministry, you're volunteering, you know, six years ago, eight years ago, over the last eight years, if ministry was less demanding 
would you still be a volunteer? Or I guess oh. the point I'm asking is the demands on ministry, have they solidified your your role as a super volunteer or have they actually diminished it? That's an interesting question because I remember in the beginning, like people thought I was on staff because I had so many responsibilities, like with the yep. IT thing and like making sure the projector and the sound and the AV was all like ready to go every Sunday. Uh, and I just like really got to know that AV closet. And at the time, like it really solidified like my commitment because there was something that needed to be done that wouldn't get done if I wasn't there. But then when a team came up and like, was like, I love this. Can I take this over? And it, it was like taken from me, you know, air quotes. And then in the end, I, I recognized like, oh, like I'm not necessary for the gospel message to like be, be any more true to these teens. Mm-hmm. But my commitment is what's important, right, to the kids. So I can't, I can't really honestly answer that question in retrospect, because maybe it was just like the immaturity of my, my, my youthfulness at that age, like thinking that I was like pivotal and needed to be there. Whereas now I'm just like way more relaxed and, you know, stepped back in, in a lot of areas because I recognize that I am not, my absence is not detrimental to, you know, their salvation. So I don't know, that was a really complicated answer. (laughs) No, it's a simple. I think that the short way of saying it is uh, the demands that ministry has put on you um, have only helped, um, I guess, amplify the fact that it's a Christ-centered ministry, not a Laura-centered ministry. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Chris, that doesn't have the same ring to it that, like, that you typically say, because Laura, obviously, most of the time he says that, he's talking about himself. You know, So when you say Christ-centered ministry and not a Chris-centered ministry, that has a different ring to it than you know, Christ and Laura. You know, I don't know. Did, it, it sounded weird to me. Did I know, he tell sorry. you about those t-shirts that he made? They were supposed to say Christ and he forgot the T. <laughs> did he really like yes oh my gosh it was like my second year at, at the parish we're at and it's just it was crazy did you actually have them made i guess i had them made it was a, a printing where are error. these shirts where are they well so know. the thing is is that they they tried to fix it instead of having to remake all the shirts by putting like an iron on t and then uh, they all started kind of yes. like falling off really no it was a screen it was a screen print yeah. This is Laura. This is at the diocesan conference. Yes. Oh so my this gosh! This isn't just this isn't just two hundred shirts. This is <laughs> two thousand t-shirts. Yes. That uh, they were like together in Chris somewhere. I have to have somewhere, one. Yeah, somewhere. All out right. There. Whoever's listening to this, you have to get me one of these shirts. I I need so it. So was that circa two? It must be in my life. It was yeah, DCYC two thousand six, seven, or eight. Somewhere in that. Uh, no, two thousand eight, nine, or ten. Somewhere in that realm. Hey Chris, we need to get more of your volunteers on. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. There's some. There's some dirt. You know, I, I have a volunteer. We were sitting at this meeting and uh, we were talking about what's the next name for a conference. You know, Stuenville Youth Conference. Their theme this year is revealed, and you know they've had ones that are like chosen and and things like that. And they all sound like these bold names. And uh, we're sitting there at this meeting with a committee of people, just brainstorming. And it was a brainstorm. And I was like, what about penetrating the darkness? And. Uh, <laughs> And I thought it was good because we're called to be the light of the world. And they're like, no, Chris, no. <laughs> Teenagers will take that in 18 different ways. And so this just goes to show you got to surround yourself with good people. Otherwise, you just go down these rabbit holes. And uh, <laughs> and, and horrible ideas all of a sudden sound like good ideas. So um, That's funny. 
Laura, uh, one more question for you. What's something in your experience that has turned volunteers away? What has turned volunteers away? That's hard because uh, um, you you never know where a person is at in their spiritual life. So mm-hmm. like maybe um, signing up for a ministry is like a really good head idea, but not necessarily the best heart idea. Um, so I've seen a lot of people turn away just because they weren't in a good place, be it spiritual desolation or, you know, family crisis, just different things like that, um, that they could take on the commitment. And so I always look on those people with compassion. Like I totally, I totally get it because, you know, I've been there. So that's one thing, right? So it, it, just because somebody can't commit to the ministry is not necessarily a reflection on the ministry. Mm. Um, and then the second thing is sometimes people get really hurt or wounded when they feel like they're not heard. So if they have an idea, like for sweet tea, and um, it doesn't resonate well or like action isn't taken on it, that can be a like a a really latching on point where everything just can kind of accumulate because, well, he hasn't listened to me about that yet. And then just like, it's, it's a magnet. It attracts negativity. And so then they just like throw their hands up and like storm out the door and never come back. Right. Um, and, and who, I mean, who knows that might be a spiritual thing on their part also because of where they're at in the way that they handle what seems like rejection. maybe. Um, so that, that's one thing. And I feel like other people tend to step away from ministry from fear because they feel like they're inadequate, like they don't know enough, like they couldn't possibly be responsible for somebody else's knowledge of the faith. Uh, Maybe it's because they weren't catechized well when they were younger, because I'm constantly trying to recruit people. On, on my young adult circles and friends and people uh-huh. who don't do ministries like, Oh, well, have you ever considered youth ministry? And they're like, Oh no, no, I, I don't, I don't know enough. I could never do that. And that's not the truth. Like they know plenty. They're just afraid. So fear can be a little overwhelming and like cause people to step back. Yeah. That's that. Uh, yeah. That's an interesting point. Matt, is anyone worthy of ministry? Mm-hmm. Was it wasn't there a phrase you said uh, a while back about being adequate or inadequate? I think we talked about adequate for ministry, and it's like absolutely everyone is adequate. Is that what you're asking, Chris? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just an interesting point. Like, I I have a master, I have a master's degree in theology and 15 years experience and blah 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 blah, and yet I I I still stand up in front of people sometimes. And I'm like I. I, I don't know. Jesus and I aren't really buddies right now. I don't even know if I'm the right person. to. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, everyone is adequate for ministry, um, 100%. And yeah, just looking at the apostles, you know, look, the people that Jesus brought together, I mean, they were they were a mess. They became what he in, expected them to become, but they started out as a mess, you know, when we all start out there. Yeah. I think what's also a big deal is that... Um, there's a little bit confusion about what youth ministry looks like these days. Um, a lot of my peers, like they remember the classroom model. So they think they're expected to teach, you know, to stand uh. in front of a chalkboard and, you know, go over the four pillars of the church. And yeah, of course they're, they can't do that. Like I couldn't do that. That's what the catechism is for. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I, I really have to explain to people what the relational ministry model is to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and explaining to them, like, you're just, you just got 
eight or 10 kids and all you have to do is be yourself. Yeah. You know, just be an anchor to them in like the most turbulent time of their life, except in college. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, do you remember how awkward and painful high school was? Like, wouldn't it have been nice to have somebody who had been through that, who could you could lean on in this time? Yeah, yeah. And everybody's answer is always yes. And I was like, then be that person. Yeah. Be that person to, to the next generation. And then there are more, like, they're more wide-eyed, like, oh, yeah, I think I could do that. You know, so um, a lot of it is just miscommunication and misunderstanding. Good. Well, Laura, I am grateful to you personally for all the uh, years of volunteer. I look for forward to many more years to come, but also thank you for being on our show, Ministry Leaders Anonymous. Yeah, thank you so much. It was nice to meet you. Yeah, thanks. And uh, Matt, as we wrap up, how can our listeners find us? They can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Stitcher, Google Play. Just search MLA Podcast. You can check us out on MLAPodcast.com or you can email us at MLA at ablazeyouth.org. MLA podcast at a blaze. Hey, I shortened it to make it easier for people. I mean, why would oh, they? Did you? Yeah. I mean, I have the freedom to choose whatever email. It doesn't have to be MLA podcast. So I made it real easy. Just MLA. You're so free. Look at that. You're so free. Look at that. Great. All the power. And they can also, um, they can also find us become patrons at www.google.com. I shortened it too. You have such it's a so hard common. time with, with Patreon, Chris. We need people to support us. Like people spend, you know, we spend a lot of time putting these together. We need people just to give us a tip and say, hey, we, we like what you're doing. You can do that on patreon.com and become a patron at MLA Podcast. Thank you so much, Matt. Here at Ministry <laughs> Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and to thank a super volunteer. Absolutely. We'll see you all next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless.